power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I'm thankful for that power, aren't you? Praise the Lord. You may be seated tonight. I'm going to try to get into this right away because I've got a lot to cover tonight. And I will tell you that tonight is the last night that you will be able to see these Bibles on display because I will wrap them up and ship them out tomorrow. And uh, tonight's the last night that you're going to be able to pick up some of the books in the back, uh, on the back by the bookstore. So if you plan on getting one, I want everybody that can, if you can possibly do it, get what you can. If you have to write post-dated checks in order to make it happen, I know the first of the month ain't here yet, do whatever you got to do so that you can have what you need. One of the other things that I'd like to get out of the way is tomorrow night, I'm going to start talking about God's economics. God's economics, financial freedom based on biblical principles. How many believe that we serve a God that is a God of order? How many believe that he has an order for our lives? Do you, think, do you believe he has an order for every aspect of your life? I'd like to tell you that there's so many of us that do not follow God's plan when it comes to finances. And consequently, we cannot be blessed the way that God wants to bless us because we don't follow the word of God. Now, I'm not a prosperity preacher. I'm not going to say, name it and claim it, blab it and grab it. If I did, if I believed that, I'd have flown out here in a private jet. And I wouldn't have had to ship all these Bibles. But I believe that God has an order for your life. See, we must do, as Paul said, we must find that perfect and acceptable will of God for each and every one of our lives. Praise the Lord. See, we are called to do works. Jesus himself said that we're called to do works and that we're going to be rewarded according to our works and that some men's works will be as hay and stubble and will be consumed in the fire, but others' works will come forth as pure gold. I want to be in the perfect and acceptable will of God for my life. How about you? And that includes all areas of my life. How about you? Praise the Lord. So I got that out of the way. Now, I would like to tell you this. Brother George Hancock and I did make an arrangement. He, uh, he told me that he would uh, give me instruction as far as teaching this seminar on the Bible uh, if I would in return give him singing lessons. So that's what we did. Somehow or another, he picked up on it better than I did. Uh, all right, here's the key. Tonight, we are going to get into some deep study. And I'm not going to be running around, doing a lot of running around, because I've got so much material up here that I've got to cover that I'm not going to be able to run back and forth last night. You were very fortunate last night. I left my notes on the platform, and I didn't uh, want to have to come back up here and get them. So consequently, you got whatever I had up here the last night, and that was all there was to it. So uh, tonight, though, we're going to talk to you about some things that is absolutely going to startle you. It should frighten you, and it should make you love the Word of God even more than you already do. How many believes that we, not, we fight not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. How many believe that if the devil can take the word of God and change it into a lie and make you believe that lie so that you will be damned, how many believe that he would do that if he possibly could? A few years ago, if they had come to your door and if they had knocked on your door and said, give me your Bibles, we're taking all your Bibles away from you, it would have started probably one of the greatest revivals the United States of America had ever known. Because we would have fought tooth and nail had they come to our door to try to take our Bibles. 
But instead of coming to your door and telling you they're going to take your Bible away from you, what they did do is they told you that the Bible that you had was too difficult to understand, and so we're going to make it very easy for you to understand, and we're going to give you a new Bible written in modern-day tongues so that you can read it, and it will be easier to understand. And they took the Word of God out of our hand, and they put in our hand something that is a watered-down piece of nothing more than a bunch of uh, words on paper. Now, I'm telling you the way that I feel about this. If your pastor don't like what I'm saying, he can come up here and take this microphone anytime he wants to. There is a definite move of the, of the Antichrist, the spirit of the Antichrist, to take the Word of God out of your hands so that you might believe a lie and be damned. I want everybody that's here tonight, if you have your Bible, I want you to have your Bible in your hands tonight. I want you to follow me tonight. We're going to talk to you at a great deal. And we're going to go through a whole lot. And this may be a little bit longer than what you're used to on a night like this. But at the same time, I have got to get this completed so that I can move on. I would advise before I do go on at this point that every one of you that wants to follow God's plans for your financial needs, I, I would recommend that for tomorrow night and the following night that you pick up one of the workbooks that we're going to be working out of in the back tomorrow or tonight and so that you can have it ready. You need Every husband and wife needs to get one of these as a team so that you can work together in that. But anyway, 2 Timothy 3 and 16. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture is given by whom? Thank you, Brother George. Appreciate that. All Scripture is given by whom? By God. Second Peter, the first chapter, the 21st verse, it says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So we know that God inspired individuals to write what he told them to write so that we would have that and it would be available to us today. 2 Corinthians 11th chapter and the 4th verse says for if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you have not accepted, you might well bear with him. And by he goes on to say that if anybody else comes preaching another gospel, let him be accursed. Now you have heard for the last two nights, you've heard that we've told the story about people that saw corrupted text and they did everything in their power to get back to the original Word of God. We saw John Wycliffe take and try to get back to the original Word of God. We saw Martin Luther try to get back to the original Word of God. We saw William Tyndall work very diligently for over a decade to give us what was the original unadulterated Word of God. We have in our possession today the King James Version Bible. The Old Testament comes from the Masoric text. Now I'm going to, this is going to be just a little bit on the legalistic side tonight, but you need to understand some of these things before I go any further. The Old Testament comes from what we call the Masoric text, and the New Testament comes from what we call the Textus Receptus, or the Received Text. All right, that's the Greek Bible that we saw last night. 
Erasmus and Stephanus had gave us our Texas Receptus and that well that's what we had and that's the way it's been up until the late 1800s and in the late 1800s two men came together brother you can go ahead and put up there Psalms 12 if you will the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them O Lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever and then we see over in Revelation 22 18 and 19 for I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book if any man shall add unto these things God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book and if any man shall take away from the words of this book of this prophecy God shall take away his part out of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book we're going to talk to you tonight and I'm going to focus mainly on the NIV version Bible uh, all of the new all of the new versions of the Bibles come from um, a couple of works by um, men by the name of Hort and Westcott how many's ever heard of Hort and Westcott okay how many's ever heard of the Nestle's Greek Bible okay the Nestle's Greek Bible is a result of two men working together in the late 1800s they finished it about 1880 their name was Hort and Westcott they were in London England and I want to read you just some excerpts real quickly here this is from the publisher of the NASB Living Bible Amplified Bible the NIV it says Westcott and Hort all subsequent versions from the revised vision 1881 to those present have adopted their basic approach talking about Horton Westcott and their and their Greek text the Baker Bookhouse publisher who is a, a publisher of a half a dozen modern translations uh, also prints a Bible selection guide entitled the King James Version debate it, he says the theories of Westcott and Hort are almost universally accepted today and it is on this basis that Bible translators since 1881 have as compared with the King James Version left out some of the things and added a few others subsequent textual critical work accepted the theories of Westcott and Hort the vast majority of evangelistical scholars hold the basic textual theories of Westcott and Hort and that's uh, what the Baker says about it we see that um, um, we go on and, and as Zondervan publishers they say that they use the Westcott and Hort and everything else and Nelson the one that makes the open Bibles who Nelson publisher sticks very very strongly with the uh, King James Version for the biggest port portion of their printing they also print a, a Bible called the 1611 King James Version which is no longer in print I had a few of them up until a few months ago but they're all gone the Nelson publisher says the dead hand of Fenton John Anthony Hort lies heavy upon us the two most popular manual editions of the Greek text today the Nestles and the UBS United Bible Society really very little from the Westcott Hort text why is this Westcott and Hort are generally credited with having furnished the death blow to the King James Version Bible subsequent scholarship has tended to recognize Hort's mistake the Westcott Hort critical theory is erroneous at every point our conclusions concerning the theory apply to also to any Greek text constructed on the basis of the Nestle's Bible and the UBS by uh, uh, Greek Testament as well as those versions based upon those texts such as the NIV the NASB the Good News for Modern Man the NEB and the LB etc now I read you those things so that you understand that most of the new Bibles that we have today are coming from the very same thing now understand this the problems that we face in this world today are the same problems that we have always faced because the devil has no more imagination 
the same sins that plagued Nimrod and Babylon are on the face of the earth today. The same lies that he told back then are the same lies that are being told today. And it has not changed. The devil has not changed his, his approach. He's still trying to do the same thing over and over again. Now, I told you that, and then I'm going to read you a little bit about Hort and Westcott so that you understand where they were coming from. If all of the new versions are coming from their Greek New Testament, then don't you think that we ought to get some kind of idea what they were thinking when they were translating and putting this Greek New Testament together that everybody decided to use? This is a, a book out of your own church library here. It is the uh, 11th edition of the Encyclopedia Britannica. I went over to your library today and I got it out. And it says, it's talking about Hort here. He says, he studied religiously the sacred books of the East and earnestly contended that no systematic view of Christianity could afford to ignore the philosophy of other religions. The outside world was wont to regard him as a mystic. And the mystical or sacramental view of life enters, it is very true, largely into his teaching. Hort was a Satan worshiper. He and Westcott started a, a club called the Ghostly Guild, and it is the, the original father of the channeling movement that we have today, back in the 1800s. And they started channeling way back then, and it is still going on today, and Hort and Westcott were the fathers of that particular um, deal. Turn up, you got Westcott, go to the next page. There you see some of the clubs and societies that Hort and Westcott was uh, affiliated with. And you'll see the first one called the Hermes Club. And you'll see Westcott's name up there. You see the Ghostly Guild. You see both Westcott and Hort's name up there. And it goes right on and right on. And every one of those clubs were involved in satanic worship and seances uh, in the uh, 1800s. It is frightening to think that anybody would take the word of somebody that worshiped Satan and decide to use it as the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I will tell you that when I first saw these things, I thought at first that this was, oh, somebody's got their, their collar on backwards and all upset and everything else. But... Uh, I thought uh, there's not really a conspiracy to change this stuff and everything else. And, and it just, it, the more I studied it, the more uh, I grew appalled at what was taking place. Uh, you'll find in um, the, um, I'm going to read you a few things. Westcott said, now remember the Bible says, that the scripture was given to us by holy men of old as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost, right? Now, do you want somebody moved on by the Holy Ghost to give you the word of God? Or do you want somebody who's going to go to a seance tomorrow night to give you the word of God? Here's what Westcott wrote. There was a time when it was usual to draw a sharp line between religious and worldly things. That time has happily gone by. Here's what Kenneth Barker, one of the NIV uh, uh, translators, wrote. We also like suggestive dances. We like movies and drinking and are trying to enjoy sex for recreational purposes. Let me say that none of the above has anything to do with our salvation. Kenneth Parker wrote that in his book called The Making of a Contemporary Translation in 1966. All right. We go on and we find some other things here. Westcott wrote, It would not be surprising that one should be startled when they are told abruptly 
how many points of contact in form or substance our scriptures have with other writing, how fragmentary they are, how intensely human we are coming to know the blessings which the withdrawal of old opinion discloses. He also wrote, I felt bound to abandon the God-dictated every word from cover to cover attitude. And he says, the Bible is the words of men, a literary production. We go on and we can find uh, one thing after another that Hort and Westcott wrote. Here Hort wrote to Westcott in a letter. He said, this may be cowardice. I have sort of a craving that our text should be cast upon the world before we deal with the matters likely to brand us with suspicion. I mean the text issued by men who are already known for what will undoubtedly be treated as dangerous heresy will have great difficulty in finding its way to the religions which it might otherwise hope to reach and whence it would not easily be banished by subsequent alarms. Here they themselves tell you that they are heretics. They are changing the word of God. Now we can go on and on but we're not going to because I don't want to, to bore you with too much. But we have a Greek text which most of the seminaries use today called the Nestles or the USB and it is based on Hortz and Westcott still. Now, we also want to believe that the men that hold the Bible in their hands are religious men, do we not? Alright, right, go to the next one. Let's go on. The next one. All right. Mike Royko, a Chicago Tribune columnist, has referred to Rupert Murdoch as a scumbag and as the prince of darkness. How many knows who Rupert Murdoch is? Rupert Murdoch owns the Fox Television Broadcasting Network. He also owns the largest majority of the pornographic magazines that are distributed in Europe. He owns all kinds of uh, different and evil things. And Rupert Murdoch owns the copyright to the NIV Bible. He prints it and publishes it for a profit for his businesses. You can go on to the next one. You'll see another picture of Rupert Murdoch uh, talking about whether or not he's going to be out Fox and whether or not he's wealthy and everything else. He owns the printing right to the NIV. Go to the next one. And there you see him again, and you see the Simpsons television show, which is a terrible television show that uses terrible language and everything else. And, uh, and he, has, he owns that television show. It's shown on Fox Broadcast Networks. And this is the man that owns the um, copyright to the NIV. All right, let's go to the next one. Well, you say, well, Jesse, maybe... Maybe just because he owns the copyright and just because Hort and everything um, was instrumental in, in uh, doing this, maybe, maybe that there, there was something good about it. Well, here is a list, a partial list of uh, some of the translators of the NIV Bible. You see right there on the very first one on the left, you see Kenneth Barker, and I've already read to you what he said about recreational sex and it having nothing to do with your salvation, about suggestive dances and alcohol and all that kind of stuff, and it doesn't bother you to do that kind of stuff. There he is listed as one of the, the, the very first name on the list of translators. Now one of the ones I want to bring to your attention is over here on the right. You'll see a, a name by the name of Virginia Molencott. Now for those of you that might think that we took in... Uh, and made up this list of translators. I have here questions and answers concerning the NIV Bible printed by the International Bible Society. And in the back of it is a list of those translators and those people that had anything to do with the NIV. And I brought this printed by them so that you could see that we're not trying to hide anything. We're not trying to change anything. We're just pointing out the facts. Virginia Molencott. Who is Virginia Molencott? Why is it important that we look at her name as being one of the translators? Well, I'll tell you why. Because the NIV Bible, 
takes out anything to do that has to do with homosexuality, calling it sin. They believe that homosexuality is not a sin. Go to the next one, if you will. One of the reasons is because of the influence of this woman by the name of Virginia Molencott. Dr. Virginia Molencott says, my lesbian has always, lesbianism has always been a part of me. In the Episcopal Witness, June 1991, her pro-homosexual book, Is the Homosexual My Neighbor, echoes her NIV's assertion that the Bible censures only criminal offenses like prostitution and violent gang rape and not sincere homosexuals drawn to someone of the same sex. And so as a result of that, 1 Corinthians 6 and 9, Deuteronomy 23 and 17, 1 Kings 15 and 12, 20, 1 Kings 22 and 46, and 2 Kings 23 and 7 has been changed to reflect her views on homosexuality. We go to the next page, and there you will see um, a picture of a, a goddess, basically a female goddess, that was at one of these Episcopal... Um, um, Uh, pre or excuse me, a Presbyterian church function that Virginia Molencott was asked to speak at, and this was supposedly uh, um, reminiscent of the god Diana, all right? And let's go to the next one. In her interview at the Presbyterian church gathering in 1991, or ex excuse me, 1993, uh, she writes, here's what Molencott says, and I understand that I'm talking about some touchy subjects here. I understand that. But I want to tell you something. It's not time to hide underneath the sheet and cover up sin. For too long, the church has tried to make light of sin. And I'm not talking about just the denominal churches. I'm talking about Pentecostal churches too. There used to be a time when we talked to sinners when they came in the door and we called them sinners. I don't know about you, but Jesse Cripps is a sinner saved by grace. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I want you to understand something about sin here tonight. I want you, we, we as human beings, we've got little labels on sin, okay? We got homosexuality, we, we got our immoral sins, our, our sexual sins, and we, those are the big tens. And if you commit one of those, man, you got a minus ten points against you. But if you go over here and you take a dollar out of somebody's purse or out of their pocketbook or off their dresser without them knowing it, well, that's just a minus one over here. I'm here to tell you that any sin that you commit will separate you from the presence of Almighty God, not for just today, but for eternity. And you've got to understand, sin is sin, and it will destroy you. We need to quit whitewashing this stuff and say, well, that's a little white lie. I'm going to tell you something. There ain't no such thing as a white lie. The Bible says the devil is the father of all liars, and you're going to have your part in the lake of fire if you do that thing. Is that all right, Pastor? Can I talk like that? Well, you know Billy Clinton... You know, the reason he does those things that he did is because his mama and his grandma raised him and they treated him real bad. And that's why he goes out and chases all these little girlies he chases. What are we doing? We're excusing sin. It ain't really his fault. I want to tell you something. The Bible talks about personal accountability. I don't care when you stand before the throne, you ain't going to be able to say, Mama made me do it. Daddy made me do it. The devil made me do it. God's going to look at you and say, Why did you do that act? 
And I'll tell you something else. The reason why we don't really understand Calvary and the price that Jesus Christ paid and what he really did on that hill is because we do try to whitewash sin. But when we understand that sin separates us from God, when it separates us from the presence of Almighty God, then we begin to realize what Jesus Christ really did for us and that his blood will wash away every one of our sins and our transgressions. So I'm talking about sin here tonight. And I'm talking about, let me tell you something. You know how, you know, I got to tell, tell this. A few years ago, it wasn't that many years ago, that homosexuality was still something that shocked people. A man with a man, a woman with a woman, doing that which is unseemly, seemly. You're going against all the laws of nature and God. And it was shocking. But you know what happened? The American Society of Psychiatrists got together and decided that you know what? There ain't nothing really wrong. These people aren't really sick. There ain't nothing really wrong with them. So you know what they do? They made a pact with Hollywood. And Hollywood began producing movies and television shows. And now today, if you turn on the television shows, they got a half a dozen shows today of men living with men and women living with women instead of having a regular household. And that's what they're planning in the thoughts and the mind of our children today. And now, because they made a pact with Hollywood, now everybody is starting to be acceptable. Now it's just an alternative lifestyle that'll take you straight to the pits of hell. Now, guess what they did? You want to get a, You want to find out more about this? Get a hold of Doctor. Dobson and find out here at the at the uh, center there in in Denver or Colorado Springs wherever what is it focus on the family guess what they've done now these same psychiatrists that wanted to make sure that it was okay for everybody to start accepting homosexuality now they've gone back to Hollywood and they said look if a man or a woman becomes and I'm going to try to say this in a delicate manner because I know we got children here. But if they become a pedophile, all right, you adults know what I'm talking about? They, they said the parents should accept that adult, male or female, into their home with them and their children because that adult has the same interest of their children at heart as they do. Brother, I'm going to tell you one thing. You and me both. If you don't shoot them, I will. Subsequently, subsequently, Hollywood made a movie last year called the American Beauty about a 40-year-old male that started having fantasies and everything about high school cheerleaders. And it won eight Academy Awards, the movie of the year and everything else, just swept them all. What am I saying? I'm saying in just a few more years, they're going to start talking about that as being okay. Why? Because they've got Sin City over on the other side of the United States making movies, putting it in the thoughts and the minds of people, making it okay. 
And then they will tell you that watching television and watching movies don't influence your children while at the same time they go to the liquor stores, they go to the beer companies, they go to the tobacco companies, and they get them to pay a million dollars for a half a minute of advertising saying if we put this advertising on here, we'll influence the people to buy your product. know how I got there but I did alright here's what Molencott said in her interview with the Presbyterian Church in the re-imaging conference of 1993 Molencott claimed that Jesus' death was the ultimate in child abuse and a model for human child abuse I can no longer worship in a theological context that depicts God as an abusive parent and Jesus as the obedient, trusting child, she declared. Lesbian sexuality was celebrated at this conference as normal and good. Lesbian Roman Catholic feminist Mary Hunt, co-founder of the radical group called Water, Women's Alliance for Theological Ethics and Ritual, proposed friendship as a metaphor for the family. She explained her new metaphor, saying, Imagine sex among friends the norm, young people learning how to make friends rather than to date. Imagine valuing the act. I'm having to change the words in order to protect the innocent here. He said, she said, Imagine value, valuing the act and the, uh, of whether and how it, it fosters friendship and pleasure pleasure of our birthright of which we have been robbed in religious patriarchy it is I'm having a difficult time reading part of this it is time to claim uh, with friends anew and be uh, have relational sexual in a in the right place anyway anyways you call people friends and then and they become family and so you can do whatever you want to with them It is. Lesbian feminist Virginia Mullencott picked up on the theme. The mononism I'm talking about assumes that God is so all-inclusive that she is involved in every cell of those who are thoughts in her mind and embodiments of her image. This is the kind of people that translated your NIV, the NIV Bible today. All right, let's go to the next one. Brother George Hancock, I would like for you to turn. He has an NIV Bible. Now, I brought it so he would be able to read from it. I want every one of you to turn to Isaiah 14 and 12. And then I want each and every one of you to turn over, have also at your fingertips, Revelation 22 and 16. Brother George, I want you to read to me. Before you do, I'm going to read it here. I'm going to read it from the King James Version. How many knows the story of how Satan fell from heaven? All right, we're going to read part of it here. Isaiah 14 and 12. How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst weaken the nations? All right? How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did us weaken the nations. Brother George Hancock, will you read that to me from the NIV version, please? Isaiah 14 and 12. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. Whoa, 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 whoa. Who? How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star. O morning star, instead of son of the morning. Why is that significant? 
Who is the bright and morning star? Brother George, go ahead and finish reading that. Oh, morning star, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. All right, look down at the bottom in the footnotes. Does that refer over to Revelation 22 and 16 down there in the footnotes? Yes, sir. I think it does. Take my word for it. All right, so here we've got a verse talking about how Satan fell from heaven. And then it has a, a footnote referring you over to Revelation 22 and 16. I would like for each and every one of you to turn to Revelation 22 and 16. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. The NIV Bible shows you or tells you that Jesus Christ and the one that fell from heaven are one and the same. Is that the spirit of the Antichrist or is it not? It's exactly what it is. Now, just for the sake of going and showing you a couple of other things, I want to tell you quickly. The NIV Bible is not a translation. It is an interpretation. Okay? Now, I am telling you these things, and I don't want you to go out tomorrow, and I don't want you to go on the workplace, and I don't want you to find the poor little old Baptist guy whose pastor preaches from the NIV every week that happens to have one in his lunch pail when he shows up at work tomorrow. I don't want you to go in there and jump on him with both of your Pentecostal boots and tell him he's going to hell for reading that Bible. Now, the Bible says if any of you lack wisdom, then I ask of God and he'll be able to give it to you. He that winneth souls is wise. Now, I will tell you this. It doesn't matter how much they changed it, how much they've watered it down, how much of the spirit of Antichrist is in there, there is still enough of the light hidden in the dark pages of that book that you can take and win somebody to God with it. And if you can take that word and win them to God, then when you get them here and they've been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, uh, their spirit's going to be more receptive to teaching and training by your pastor and by the elders of this church And then they can show them the errors of the ways and they can find their way back to the King James Version Bible. Does that make sense? Is that all right? All right. The NIV Bible. Find, the, find my page here. Takes the word Christ out 25 times. It takes the word Lord out 352 times. Takes the word Jesus out 292 times. It takes the word God out 468 times. Takes the word Godhead out three times. It takes the word Lucifer completely out. Takes the word devils out 80 times. It takes the word hell out 40 times. Takes the word heaven out 160 times. Takes the word damnable out 15 times. It takes the blood of Jesus Christ out 41 times. It takes salvation out 42 times. It takes out the phrase the word of God out 8 times. It takes the phrase out the word of the Lord out 25 times. It takes the words out Lord Jesus Christ out 24 25 times. All in all 6,022 words have been changed or taken out completely out of the word of God. The NASB, 
the New King James Version, the RSV, the NRSV, the NCV, the Living Bible, all come close to doing the same thing. The New King James Version, I know a lot of people say, well, how about the New King James Version? The New King James Version takes the word Christ out one time, takes the word Lord out 66 times, takes the word Jesus out twice, takes the word God out 51 times, takes the words devils out 81 times, takes hell out 22 times, heaven out 50 times, uh, the blood out 23 times, salvation out twice, the word of God once, and the word of the Lord out four times. So I am telling you today that you want to be careful of what you use in order to try to understand the Word of God. The method that they use for translating, simply this, the King James Version uses what they call formal equivalency, which simply means direct translation. The NIV uses what they call dynamic equivalency, which is interpretation and not translation, but the Bible says that the word is not subject to private interpretation, does it not? All right. So we find out that we've got some other situations here. I just want to give you just a few more, and then we'll go on. I want Brother George Hancock, if all of you, if you will, turn to Matthew, the 17th chapter, and the 21st verse. Matthew 17 and 21. Brother George, will you please read that? Seventeen and twenty-one, brother George. It says, "Howbeit this kind goeth out, not, not out, but by prayer and fasting." Brother George, will you please read that from the NIV? I'm having trouble finding twenty-one. I don't see it in here. It's not in there. It goes from twenty to twenty-two. It goes from twenty, verse twenty to twenty-two. All right. Well, let's pass that one up since they left that one. Up. Jump down to Matthew 18 and 11. Not in there. 18 and 11. For the Son of Man is to come, has, is come to save that which was lost. Matthew 18 and 11, Brother George. That's in the New Testament. Brother Cripps, uh, it goes from verse 10 to 12. There, there's no 11. Well, let's drop down to Matthew 23 and 14, if you will. Matthew 23 and 14 says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees and hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Matthew 23 and 14. I'm sorry again, Brother Cripps. It goes from 13 to 15. Are you beginning to get the idea, or do you want me to go through the whole list? You have an opportunity tonight to embrace the Word of God as you never have before. It ought to be apparent to you that if it's important enough for somebody to change it, it ought to be important enough for us to embrace it. If Satan is so concerned with it in its, in its present form that he would do everything that he possibly could, and I could go on. We could, uh, let's go on to the next slide. Do we have another slide or is that it? That's it, okay. I could go on here tonight and I could continue to tell you the story of how these change. I could tell, continue to read you uh, excerpts from Westcott's and Hort's letters uh, talking about their different uh, heretic acts. I could begin to tell you about some of the things that they did, but the fact of the matter is I don't need to go on anymore. I think I've made my point. I've proven my point. The fact of the matter is all of these new versions, as I read earlier, are based upon the Nestles or the USB Greek Bible of 1881 
in which Hort and Westcott are responsible for writing that Greek New Testament and changing the Word of God to make it more palatable for those that claim that sin does not have an effect on your salvation anymore. We have a young man in our church that started out doing what he thought was right with God, and he did. God, God saved him, filled him with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He was, uh, had been on drugs. In fact, he was a drug dealer, very making somewhere close to three, four hundred thousand dollars a year as a drug dealer. Uh, he had, in one drug uh, situation, he had shot at a man trying to kill him and blew the man's ear off. And he came over to our church one day. He was on his way to commit suicide. And for some reason, he felt that he needed to stop at the church on his way out of town to blow his brains out. When he stopped there, he knocked on the door, and the pastor happened to be there in the sanctuary. And he said, I would like to know if you can help me. I am on my way out to commit suicide. And for some reason, something made me stop here and knock on this door. He had hair all the way down to his waist. His name was Brian. Very good man. At that time, uh, uh, he was just nothing more than a, a wretched sinner that recognized that he needed help. The pastor said, I cannot help you. I cannot deliver you from the drugs. I cannot deliver you from the law. I cannot deliver you and change your life. He said, but I can introduce you to somebody that can. I would like to take you down to the altar, and I would like to there to introduce you to a man, or, or to a man, a man that used to walk on the face of the earth and now dwells in the hearts of men everywhere. His name is Jesus Christ. He walked Brian down to the altar, and there altar, uh, Brian was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost on that afternoon, and no longer did he have a desire to go out and take his own life. Uh, he began to study the Word, and he began to uh, 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 yield to a call to the ministry in his life. But somewhere along the way, he began to read the Word of God, and he began to listen to men that had private interpretations upon the Word instead of what the Word said. He began to chase the signs. Those men that were so-called prophets that did great and mighty works and everything. My Bible tells me these signs shall follow them that believe. It didn't say for the believers to chase the signs. It said that the signs would chase the believers. But here Brian was captured by this man back east. And he went and studied underneath him. And he came back. And the first thing he did when he came back, he came in. And he had a large portion of his family that attended our church. And he took his family out of our church and said, I am going to become your pastor. And he split our assembly, took them over, took about 51 people over. And he started his own little church. And he began to teach them. His mother had been delivered from alcoholism. His father had been delivered from alcoholism. His brother, who had been fighting a spirit of homosexuality for a long time, was living for God, living with his wife, had a beautiful child, and was able to, had been able to put that thing aside with the help and the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm telling you, you sang about it tonight. You shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Uh, praise the Lord. He will help you to be the overcomer that you need to be. He will help you to resist the devil so that the devil might flee. Uh, he will help you uh, in the times of trouble. Uh, he'll help you in the time uh, of trial. Uh, he will always be there with you. Yes. Brian took these people out. And as, as he had been taught by this so-called prophet back in Chicago, he began to teach them that because your spirit and your flesh is separate, that you could do whatever you wanted to in your flesh, and it would not affect your salvation today 
his mother who once sat upon the pews of our church who once was the choir director in our church who once stood and testified about how God had delivered her instantaneously from alcoholism the day that she was filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost today because she can drink and not have to have any problem worries about her salvation today she is back an alcoholic I saw her the other day in fact I got a call and somebody asked me to go to the hospital and pray for her and when I went in there the woman that I had seen just two years earlier worshiping the Lord praising the Lord looked so beautiful and everything else and when I walked into that hospital room she had got drunk at home had fallen against the fireplace hearth and had split her head wide open and there she was laying there but when I looked at her I had a very difficult time recognizing her because that alcohol had taken its toll on her body she looked like she was 20 or 30 years older than what she was just two years previously I will tell you that you need to understand the Bible says to study to show, show thyself approved rightly dividing the word of truth you need a preacher in your life you need a pastor in your life you need somebody that will get on their face and cry before God and cry and travail and ask God to make sure that he, they, he gives you the right message for that evening. Uh, I want to tell you something. Uh, when God speaks from behind this pulpit, uh, it will touch your heart. Uh, when the Spirit of the Lord speaks, uh, when His Word goes forth, uh, it does not return void. Uh, I'm telling you today uh, that each and every one of us needs to get back into the word of God and you don't need to just rely on listening to your pastor on Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night uh, but you yourself need to get into the word of God and say what does it really mean for me and you need to learn to rightly divide the word of truth I pray and I hope that this little bitty seminar that we've done these last three services has touched your heart. I pray that some way, somehow, that you will have a newfound love for the Word of God. I'm going to tell you something. A man that is in the Word will all of a sudden, there will be something that will stir in his heart and will make him want to start communicating with God. A man that reads the Word of God will find himself wanting to communicate to that God that he's reading about. Did you hear me? If you are in the Word, it will want to make you pray. And if you pray for the man or the woman that prays, it will cause you to hunger for more of the Word of God. I have told you once and I will tell you again. You cannot separate a man and his word. You cannot separate God and his word. He is his word. He is everything that he says. It is the very essence of God. William Tyndall wrote it this way. In the beginning was he that spoke it and it was. And he that spoke it and it was was with God. And he that spoke it and it was was God and he that spoke it and it was was made flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father this book out there New Age Bible versions has so much more in it about the other versions of the Bible more about the translators more about the publishers and everything else I can't begin to tell you all of it um, William, uh, or excuse me, John Templeton, um, uh, Satanist, is on the board of directors of the, uh, of the NASB Bible. We can go on and on and tell you some of these things. We need to get back to the Word of God, and we need to stay in the Word of God. And we need to 
get a hold of God and make sure what we're reading is the Word of God. Pastor, if you'll come up here at this time, pick up that book, if you will. Um, I, I won't have those. Are the uh, Geneva Bibles out there after tonight? Those are going to be packed up and shipped. I got to tell this on your pastor, though. Come up here, Pastor. And I'll tell you this. You know, usually in a family, usually in a family setting, there's always somebody in the family that it's very easy to dislike. But I have not found that situation in the Shields household. I have fallen in love with every member of this man's family. He's obviously raised them right, don't you think? Sister Shill has one of the most beautiful smiles of anybody I've ever seen. I watched her sit there in the living room and talk to her children, and, and that big, beautiful smile just comes forth, and it just makes me want to get, watch her smile all the time. And Vonda, God bless her. I love honorary people, and she is just as precious. And I want to tell you something, Sister Verlin. This woman wants to be a grandma real bad. Would you hurry and make her a grandma? She's holding every baby in this church. But today, your pastor has been so worried. He has been, I mean, so frightened that one of these Bibles was going to disappear. And, of course, the one he's most frightened about is this beautiful King James Version Bible here. So, I told the family... A couple of nights ago, I said, I'm going to play a trick on Brother Shill. And I came in this morning, and I hid this Bible, and I hid the scroll underneath and behind the tablecloth. Well, the first person to find out that it was missing was Brother T, the sergeant at arms. He come running back. I was in the guest office. He come running back there and goes, Brother Jesse, Brother Jesse, tell me, tell me that you took that scroll out of the church. Well, I couldn't tell him that because I hadn't. It was right underneath here. And I said, Brother Teague, I didn't take the scroll out of the church. Oh, my God, don't tell me that, Brother Cripps. I said, Brother Teague, I didn't take the, the scroll out of the church. Well, he was, he was about to pass out. I mean, he was just so frantic. So I had to tell him, I said, Brother Teague, I'm playing a joke on your pastor. It's behind the, the tablecloth. So he, oh, he almost fainted then, too. He was so weak with relief. So I'm out here, and they, these people work you to death. They had me slaving in a hot kitchen today cooking for them. I got to do something to earn my keep while I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden the pastor comes running back there now it's funny that he would come running back there it was more funny to watch him run but <laughs> boy I'm glad you like <laughs> you can tell we fall in love with each other already Anyway, Brother Jesse, did you move them Bibles? No, no, that ain't what you said. Because I, I couldn't lie to him. He said, do you know anything about them Bibles? And I said, Brother Shill, I've been telling you everything I know about them Bibles for the last two nights. He said, now don't pull my leg. I said, I'm not trying to pull your leg. I've told you everything I know so far. He said, no, the Bibles look light out there and the scroll's missing. I said, Brother Shield, don't pull my leg. The scroll's not missing. He said, Jesse, now don't you pull my leg. I said, no, I'm not pulling your leg. Don't you pull my leg. I wasn't pulling his leg. I was nowhere around his leg. And then, so he pulls me in here and we walk in here. And he is frantic. He's running back there trying to switch on all the lights in the church and everything else. And sure enough, when we got out here, this Bible was not on the table, neither was the scroll. And he was that close to calling the police department. He says, I'm nauseous. I'm sick to my stomach. 
It didn't stop him from eating dinner tonight, though. So I had to tell him what I did to him, and we had a lot of fun. Ain't it fun to serve the Lord? Yeah. All right, you can cook again tomorrow for all of that. Everybody said praise the Lord. Now, if you don't agree with something you heard, examine it further. Search the Scriptures daily. And I'll tell you what, I appreciate finding out things I didn't know, don't you? All right, send me some visitor slips. Let's see who brought the most visitors tonight. Anybody bring any visitors? How many you got? All right, here's some notes. You have five. Does anybody have more than five visitors present? All right. Come up here and we'll give you this John Rogers monument. The new.